Good day. This is Saba Baptiste here at Fire and Ice Podcast. Welcome all you beautiful people in the Tampa Bay area. And I'd like to say thank you to 88.5 WMNF for their graciousness to have Fire and Ice Podcast as a part of their family. Today's topic will be Mississippi Jim Crow HB 1020, 20, 1020 past in the House of Representatives in the state of Mississippi. Jim Crow as a bill. Imagine that in 2023. And we have to be sure that we understand what that means for our freedom. Jim Crow back in the 18, late 1800s, definitely, um, let me give you some idea what Jim Crow is about you young people who are not familiar with the real history of America and how they enslaved and how they treated black people. A black male could not offer, he could not offer his hand to be shaked with a white male because it implied being socially equal. Obviously, a black male could not offer his hand or any other part of body to a white woman because he risked being accused of rape. Blacks and whites were not supposed to eat together. If they did eat together, whites were to be served first and some sort of petition was to be placed between them. Under no circumstance was a black male to offer to light the cigarette of a white female that gestured implied intimacy. That's amazing. Blacks were not allowed to show public affection towards one another in public, especially kissing because it offended whites. We're talking about Jim Crow here. Jim Crow etiquette prescribed that blacks were introduced to whites, never whites to blacks. For example, Mr. Peters, the white person, this is Charlie, the black person that I spoke to you about. Whites did not use um, courtesy titles of respect when referring to blacks. For example, Mr., Mrs., and Miss, Senior or Madam, if a black person rode in a car driven by a white person, the black person sat in the back seat or the back of the truck. White motorists had to had the right of way at all intersections. Imagine that. And that's what um, is going on in Jackson, Mississippi, and some other states southern states, southern strategies. And we're going to talk about those things today because this is terrifying and shocking, but not surprising. And so we have to be sure that we understand Jim Crow and what it means. Thank you. And we're going to get right into it. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about some very, very disturbing news um, that came out of Mississippi. And the topic will be Mississippi Jim Crow HB 1020 
passed um, in the House um, in in Mississippi, um, in Jackson, Mississippi. And we're going to talk about how it ties into the ethnic stratification and diversity practices. And today, um, we're going to discuss this with the esteemed Dr. Robert Crowley and try to get some perspective on what this is, what it means, and at the end, what we need to do to push back or solutions so we can continue to be free physically, physically, spiritually, and mentally. So what you say, Dr. Crowley? Well, again, uh, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Sabah Baptiste, for uh, having me and uh, those kind words that you you've spoken um obviously you know what's going on in jackson and around the u.s as it you know pertains to uh black people and i'm going to broadly say people of color is nothing new uh the piece that's going on now is very reminiscent of uh of our treatment perennially in this country since our first stepping on these shores. And so I would think that, you know, dissecting, you know, what is going on and putting, you know, a true picture on it, the picture that has always been there would do us uh, uh, a great deal of, how can I say, understanding and re-understanding what is transpiring in this country right now. So give us a little background about um, who you are and what can we expect from a scholar at your high level um, and how we unpack and discuss this conversation. Well, um, again, I'm I'm Dr. Robert Crowley, and... um, And I say that because that is a part of an education that I was given, I pursued it, but what I cherish the most is the education that I've given myself. Um, There are many of us that are credentialed, uh, doctorate degrees, master's degrees, and like yourself, you know, you have a master's, a doctorate, and probably something else in the in the making, and uh, the ability to uh, utilize that background is something that I've been focusing on for a very, very long time. And again, the education I've given myself, I wish you could, you know, see the catalogs of books that I'm reading right now, you know, maybe three or four right now. And it's all about the struggle. And so, um, in, in, in my opinion, um, I believe it was Jesse Jackson that said, we can't measure our success about how far we have come. We have to measure it by how far we have to go. And in light of everything that's going on right now, we have a long way to go to have any level of real victory. And in some of our earlier discussions, you know, we, we're looking at the uh, 
the climate of the country, we're looking at um, those groups that we have depended on for decades upon decades to be a voice um, in the wilderness, you know, trying to bring us, you know, uh, you know, through. Right. Not met the test. Right. Um, that's very well said. Um, and so I think we both are students of life and we're students of our, of the giants that have come before us and we're students of our ancestors. So mm. I would like to um, talk a little bit about what we have come to know as the HB 1020 and HB 2889. And although this is recent news for this decision, we all can agree that Jim Crow has always been in the policies, has always been in the practices, and has always been intertwined with government as it relates to black people. And the reason why I have to emphasize black people, because if you go back to the census, it, they only categorize from the beginning or the inception of the census. They had, um, it always been tons of literature that went back and forth with black and white long before any of the other groups was added to the census. So, mm-hmm. That told us that we were the free labor, we were the enslaved, and Jim Crow didn't just come out of nowhere, it came out of slavery, it came out of the Civil War, it came out of 1619. And so to put the correct lenses on this problem, this situation, this relationship with black and white people in America, we have to talk about black people as it relates to our journey in America and what has happened to us over that long period of time. And we still are the only group that came from a foreign land that was enslaved. So we have a unique relationship with America, white supremacy. And so I just want to emphasize that because we get, if we don't emphasize it, we, we have to say that um, we're not telling, we're not using the correct lenses to look at this relationship. Jim Crow was specifically for black Americans. And it's a disenfranchisement when we look at Jackson, Mississippi, um, intentionally, that is imposed at the government level, whereas um, if this law is passed in the Senate, we will have just, um, we will just have gone back uh, 50, 60, almost 100 years if the um, Jim Crow law of appointing judges over Jackson, Mississippi, District 111 um, area um, that is, I guess, represented by Mr. Bugsby, um, it would take 
black people back 100 years. And so 83% of the black population has a Republican that resides over them um, through the election process that is, is appears to be supporting that uh, judges are going to be appointed to supervise them, to, to govern them. And that is contradictive to the Constitution in terms of how people, citizens, um, have their representations. So um, with us knowing the problem we have in the citizen voting rights, in the modern-day Jim Crow, and expanded the police force, all three are critical and always have been problematic for black people. So I would like to hear your perspective on on this situation, Dr. Crowley. Yes, I mean, you really, um, Dr. Baptiste, you really made it easy um, to respond because of your, your clarity and understanding of the historical context um, that preceded this and that permeates everything that's going on right now. Uh, you and I had earlier conversations uh, about this. Well, we've been having conversations for the last, I guess, eight or nine years, you know, in reference to these things. Um, and one of the most recent things we, we spoke about was that racism has what we can call a curriculum. There are some things that are just salient, you know, to that process, including structural uh, practices, institutional practices that support um, its continued uh, uh, dominance. And that's real. And an immediate response, in order for racism to be effective, the number one Piece, I believe that has to be an effect is the neglect of the humaneness of other people. The, uh, the absence of any real um, moral thought process as it relates to us in general, you know, African-Americans, um, we're not seen as, we're not seen as human. We were chattel slavery chattel enslavement and the remnants and the roots of that is just part of the American fabric. We need to really, really understand that. That has not gone anywhere. It has become more prevalent uh, in the last several years because of uh, uh, the, the last president that we had really opened the doors. Those people were already, you know, the folks that we're seeing in Jackson, they were always there. But the door, the floodgate was opened, you know, so that um, those thought processes could come to the forefront uh, to get up on the table and to be vocal and to be seen. That has happened. So when we talk about it, we got the, the lack of humaneness. 
And I, one thing, uh, I just you. want to say this last little Okay, piece. great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Continue, please, I'm sorry. One last little piece and we can go on. This is the real problem with the Jackson piece if it's, um, if it's passed in the Senate. It will become a blueprint for the rest of America, just like we're seeing in other areas of political, uh, uh, the polity of America, when one state adopts something um, that is in accordance with the curriculum of racism, it is easily adapted and taken on by other states in the union. So the thing that we need to be very conscious of, if this passes and it works for Jackson, it'll be duplicated throughout the United States in terms of African-Americans. And that's the real, real problem. And so, see, what is going on is that to address this in a logical constructive analysis way, we have to look at the Amendment 13, Amendment 14, and Amendment 15. And more importantly, we have to look at it, is, is, is America just built on print, and the print never comes to life, and you have these rogue politicians that says those print, the print, the amendment 13, 14, and 15, although they are not the best and it does not help black people to advance, we're going to ignore them anyhow. And so I'm going to just read a little bit from Dr. Dr. Claude Anderson as he talks about um, the um, Jim Crow. Jim Crow segregation and benign have made black America a favorite target of conservative terrorists, hate mongers, and religious zealots. Uh, blacks are the most identifiable and vulnerable population group in America because they are totally dependent upon non-black racial and ethnic groups for their safety and daily needs. And that's where we are. It, it, it seems as though that we are the group that has been the sacrificial lamb for all of the hate from the inception of the um, first ship that landed here. Like, we are the sacrificial lamb for all the other groups. They give us up so that they can have resources. And... You see this because there is something, there's something that happened throughout all of the accomplishments of the black race in America. Every accomplishment went to somewhere other group. Every uh, protection or safety went to other groups, other genders. And we're faced with today with um, going backwards towards Jim Crow, even, even and, and Jim Crow has been described as um, semi-slavery, sharecropper, um, 
kind of mentality where the, the free labor was still there. It was all about free labor. And so I will, um, I will say that this question is for you, Dr. Crowley. Um, have civil rights in Jackson, Mississippi been dismantled? Yes. And we'll, it most certainly has. Okay. And you mentioned the Constitution. Um, somewhere, it says it's, it's the model of the motto of America: "E pluribus unum," meaning one out of many. <laughs> and certainly, America is not subscribing to that. And I just say this next slide as a sidebar: America. It's not a Christian country. America is a country that has Christians in it. But I want to say this about the amendments. When you talk about amendments, the root word is amend, meaning that there was something missing from the document itself. Um, we were not really included in that. And so, therefore, in order to uh, if you want to call it to make us citizens or to improve our citizenship or to improve our lot, they had to have amendments to include us. So just by the mere fact that we understand the 13th Amendment as being something that um, uh, involving servitude, abolishing slavery, the 14th Amendment, um, and what it does in terms of uh, not a you know bridging the law for people and um and the right to vote in, in in the 15th amendment so those were all additions to a constitution <laughs> that did not include us it was never really about us and if you read certain parts of the constitution carefully it's really really um about uh especially in those amendments it's really about um at the bottom line, kind of keeping us in check in a way, because yes. they didn't want anything to um, upset this experiment that they call America. I want to and um, I want to follow up. I hold that though. I want to just follow up. That's very key. Um, when we talk about the amendment, um, it almost says that. Well, it does say that. In all of this creation, we had nothing to do with our existence, right? There were a, a house full of um, non-black people um, validating our humanity as they create these amendments that um, still that still kept us corralled, so to speak, kept us, um, as you mm -hmm. use, in check. So all of the policy making and the um, procedures and, and, and practices that go with that, it still did not bring us in to that conversation. It's, it's, it did not um, consider us as full participants. It did not create humanity on an on a equal level. And, and, right. and matter of fact, it was intentional to make sure that we never measured them or above. It was to keep us um, 
although we contribute a hundred times more than they have to the development of America, but it was to ensure it was to ensure that we never measure to the humanity level that they saw themselves, although they were the ones with all the violence, all the rapes, and all the crime. And also they were the ones who was developing policy to justify their purity and to justify our inhumanity. Go on, please. Right. Yes, you know, and, and, and you make me think, because it's really, it's really, really about, still about citizenship. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the bottom line here. You know, voter suppression is really about citizenship. Mm-hmm. And when we think about uh, the fact that uh, the whole voting rights amendment kinds of things have to be uh, looked at every so many years, you know, why hasn't, why hasn't it become just simple law? Why do we still have to revisit that every so many years? I don't know the exact number, but it has to be revisited. Okay. It is not law yet. If it was absolute law, it would not have to be revisited. So now I, here is something that this this last piece. I know you're gonna you're gonna jump on this. Um, the great case of Dred Scott. Mm. Dred Scott. He was an enslaved person that had gained his freedom, and then he moved to another state. And he petitioned the Supreme Court for his citizenship, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being succinct with it. But what happened? I think the Supreme Court, uh, the Justice of the Supreme Court, a guy by the name of Roger B. Taney, said that the case should not even be in the court, right? Because mm-hmm. he's not a citizen, mm-hmm. and so we're still facing. Non-citizenship. The uh, what's the boy? Did not the boy. The man that did the um, the the, the Pettus Bridge piece. Um, um, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. He recently died a couple yes. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 whole thing is still about citizenship and the right to vote. And so, even with that amendment, as you've already made clear. It really meant nothing because it hasn't been applied. Um, one of the things that you said that was really um, important, uh, and, and I, I opened the door to the citizen voting rights, right? And so, and we hear the reason we are having these kind of problems, and, and I think we touched on it um, over the years, over 10 years of, of being scholars and, and, and vetting things, we have, I think, in terms of if we want to look at black people in in politics, something went wrong there. Something went wrong that the the um, politicians, you know, we always had this um, mantra, if we have them in the room, we have one of us in the room, then they'll be careful about the policies and the laws that they pass, that if one of us are there, we can we can vet it and we can make sure that it's not a law to injure us. Well, we're here today 
we were able to put most of those people in key areas such as politics, um, and we're still bleeding. And and and, <laughs> and 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 we got those people in place, and it makes us look like we're the the worst leaders known to man when it comes to advocating for our own group. We have those people in place, and yet we're sitting here talking about Jim Crow, and we're we're really talking about enslavement, and we're really talking about um, bringing forth everything that we've been told we fought for, our ancestors had gained ground on, and we're slipping backwards. So it speaks to the fact that even when you look at who has been the people who have put up the brick wall against the black group advancing. And sometimes, not all the time, it looks like us, but we the ones who said, if we just had them in leadership position, if we just had them in politics, um, we could progress more. We did that. We actually did that, and we, we have not progressed. Say you, Dr. Crowley. I, 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 again, we have a, a, a very long way to go. Um, the platforms necessary to get us there are not very, very strong. Um, for instance, I, I think of uh, Black Lives Matter has been getting, gotten a lot of uh, uh, publicity in terms of uh, at this point, being in the forefront, ahead of NAACP, ahead of Urban League, and and in my opinion, Black Lives Matter is a simple appeal to white consciousness to treat us better. That's hardly uh, a, a battle cry, if you, if I if I may say it like that. Um, well, the strength that, hmm? well, what I what I'd like to say, um, this Jim Crow situation just brings up if you know if we had to put a a pin in the continent of Africa through the transatlantic to the Americas to us being enslaved. I must say that we have to move away from asking to be accepted to the fact that we are we are our own agency and we must look at every lens and every perspective as as preserving who we are and looking at the economic impact that we must have because it's old so when we think about Jackson, Mississippi, we have to talk about um, the critical race theory. Um, they want to ban it from being American history. They want to tell an alternative, an alternate history that you mentioned, and, and to make us more invisible, you know, because America have not figured out how to deal with black people, the black people that built America. They, they have figured out everything else, but they just haven't figured out. And the violence that they will go ex to the extreme, like savoring the head of the, 
the young man in Mississippi. You know, um, they're still, and they did that to him because he was being an independent person. He was driving his own business, his own destiny, and they decided to take him out. So the, the violence, the heinous violence that they will go to to control us, and that's what we have to um, be on the lookout for, and that's why we mm-hmm. have to come together. You, you was mentioning um, violence, but even before that, um, when we think about the Jackson piece, it is, it is a, uh, a prime example, as you have already you know, stated several times, it's a prime example of Jim Crow. The only thing that I don't see, and it might be hidden, and that's paying poll tax. Um, Gerrymandering. Right, the gerrymandering is happening, and um, there was some great white order. It says taxation without representation is tyranny. And so... I think that concept can be applied to Jackson because now I can't represent myself. My people can't represent myself in a situation where the dominant population is is black people. So that is a total usurpation or usurping of the power of that community. And also... And also think about this, to add on to that, you're correct, but to add on to that, there is no equal protection under the law. And that is back to the Constitution, that is back to taxation, and that is how a humane society is established, and yet black people are being denied. In 2023, go ahead. Go ahead, I'm right, sorry. right. The um, and again, you know, when you give me you know great food for thought. In the Fourteenth Amendment, there's a very critical part, <clears throat> critical part of the Fourteenth Amendment. Is it has a clause? It's called the Due Process Clause. And in no way, shape, form, or fashion is due process, which is supposed to be a cornerstone of this amendment, the 14th Amendment. A cornerstone of the 14th Amendment is a due process clause, and the due process clause is not being applied whatsoever. Because, see, now, they're appointing these people without election, they're arbitrarily doing whatever it is that they want outside of jurisprudence, outside of the law. They're doing what they want to do. And again, what this will create, and I'm just revisiting something earlier said, if this is successful, it is a blueprint. And then we are left with what are we going to do? And I, and I got to say this because it comes to my mind. We, I believe, have to move 
from a total dependence on civil rights, and as Malcolm said, to human rights. This has to be on the world stage, not just the stage in Jackson or the stage in other places in, in America that's doing the same kinds of things. We have to take this to another place, and our leadership, NAACP, Mm-mm. Urban League, Mm-mm. all the rest of them. What are they doing? So what I, are they doing? I, 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 th- that's look. Someone have explained or asked the Black Americans to look at NAACP, Urban League, and any other group of. Uh, uh, Black Lives Matter as an extension of the Democratic Party. And asking us to put that in perspective that their policies have not protected us. Um, And we know that, right? This is not a mystery. We know that. And we know Mm -hmm. that we know that we have a president that promised um, certain um, policies that has not been delivered on. And, and and matter of fact, we also know the three strikes you're out, the double down on um, uh, war on drugs is all of his legacy. So again, we have misstepped in how we do politics. And we want to look for the old tropes, the old organizations that have been there all a while and look where we are. So what happens when things don't work, you change, you move on to something that works. So we can't keep asking what are they doing because we already know what they're doing. They have shown us for 50, 60, 70 years and so on, even 100 years, people celebrating some organizations are, you know, um, over a hundred years, we know what they have done. The results are there. And some people say those organizations have outused their usefulness and that they are not, no longer relevant. And, and they say, well, we're not lynching people. Well, tell Jackson, Mississippi and other places that we don't know that's killing our black men, um, cutting their heads off. Um, cutting their mm. testicles off, dismembering them. So um, they're saying these things are not happening while they are happening. And, and so if these groups are saying these things, then we have to understand that they're not looking at us anymore. They're not representing us anymore. And we have um, a dire economic situation in America. They're not looking at us anymore. They're not useful anymore. So we are in a, in a situation where we need the same agenda. We need the same um, strategies so we can come out of this, so we can save ourselves because organizations can't do it because we're not in charge of the organizations. They're putting figureheads there that are for the mm-hmm. same purpose. So we got pseudo leaders and we know that because we're sitting here right now talking about Jim Crow. And if they were doing the work, we wouldn't be talking about 
Jim Crow and all the other policies that have remained in place to take our rights away from us and to make us um, less um, competitive, make us less viable for the future. So um, I don't I don't think we need to keep looking and doing the same thing. I'm opposed to looking and doing the same thing because the outcome has been the same and it hasn't been full the, the um, improvement and the investment of a black group. And so, um, please elaborate. I'm sorry. Well, I, I just love listening to you. You know, you mentioned um, Dr. Uh, Anderson, and um, he describes different kinds of power, group power, institutional power, wealth, power, and even right here in the state of New Jersey, um, the Department of Labor during Black History Month did a piece on financial literacy. And I didn't participate at all because um, in education, there's a concept called the deficit model. And the deficit model says that you really don't have what's necessary to do the job anyway, or to get it done anyway. You're functioning from a deficit. And so I think the there's an undercurrent that's felt about us that there's a deficit in us. That is part and parcel of the reason why they could treat us like chattel slaves because of a perceived deficit in who we are as human beings. We know that the, um, the Black Wall Street, who was more financially literate than those people? So you, you, you can't look at... Um, our situation from a deficit model, you have to look at it from the, from the standpoint of why this has transpired. And now you have to look at the structure, the institutions that support itself. Everything that America is doing, the systems are not in conflict. When governments are overthrown, the systems are in conflict, one part against the other. And when we talk about um, red states, blue states, and all those things in between, it's almost like uh, a balkanization of America. America is being split up into different camps. And in that splitting of, up into different camps, we, as a people, we don't fall down on any side right now, but a lot of rhetoric. Many of us have the historical perspective on everything that has ever happened to us. We know it. The guy around the corner know it. But if we do not concentrate on solutions, it's time to stop looking at the problem, so to speak. We know the problem. It's called racism. 
It's called institutional racism. What are we going to do? What is the solution? And it's not going to happen. Um, you corrected me the other day. 40 million people, 40 million folks that um, describe themselves as African-Americans, 330 million people in America. We also talked about the other night the ballot or the bullet, the ballot being somewhat of a bullet. Our hope is not going to be in a revolution with guns. That ain't happening. No way, shape, form, or fashion. So there has to be different kinds of interventions. We have to be on the world stage with everything that we're doing. We have to be. And we have to take stock of what the continent of Africa is in this world. And we being descendants of that continent, that relationship between the 42 million here has got to lock arms with the continent of Africa because nowhere in the history of the world has the oppressor been responsible for freeing those whom he has oppressed. The Emancipation Proclamation, eh, okay, that happened. But we know Lincoln, he would have kept it together uh, if he could keep slavery or otherwise. So what are we going to start to do in terms of solutions? Who are we going to really start to give our vote to and not just the figureheads that you're talking about? Because right now, I tell you the truth. It's a, it's a shame, and I'm, I'm ashamed of it. I can't even think of the daggone president and CEO of the Urban League right now. I can kind of see his face, but that name's supposed to be on the tip of my tongue. Right, and and I, and, and the, I, I just want to um, I just want to um, add to that. I want to just drive people back as to what we're talking about today. We're talking about the um, HB 1020 passed in Jackson, Mississippi, um, where um, no longer black people will have the option of um, voting or electing judges who will reside over them. It's been appointed. The the, the uh, 83% black population have lost their right to self-govern themselves through the election process. So their voting rights been stripped and they are, um, it is assumed if the law passes in the Senate, they will be, there will be judges appointed over them without their say. And as Dr. Crawley um, mentioned, this is a blueprint and I would like to even say maybe it has been somewhere or already been passed somewhere in America because what we understand, this was done um, in what they call an emergency session or a short session. It wasn't a, a regular day session when these things took place. So um, we have to look and we got to be um, more diligent and we have to uh, pay attention more to what's going on out there because right now our the politics that have been practiced is not um, 
anything that will get us free, free from oppression, free from slavery. And we have to make sure that, as Dr. Crowley have mentioned, now we're going to go into talking about solutions. So um, all of this is about our children, our future, and what 10 years, uh, excuse me, what 2024 is going to look like. Um, mm. How are we going to um, have the policies of economics? How are we going to have um, a, 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 prog- a progress finally? Because we haven't progressed just because we um, see black people on television. That's not progress. That's just a few mm-hmm. people out there. Um, just because we see um, basketball players and football players, that's, that's not progress. And if we check closely... The people who built the country is even less than what we see on television. So um, we're going to go into some solutions, what we think are solutions. And we want to make sure people understand that this is something that we got to move on. We got to have a unifying agenda if we're going to continue to be free. Um, So let's dive into the solution process. And let's see how we can round this up in about five minutes, you know. Um, so if we if we're going to talk about solutions, let's let's say what should have happened in the House by the politicians doing the Jackson, Mississippi, um, Jim Crow, HB 1020 introduction prior to passing the bill in the House, who are who are at the state level government to prevent and watch out for black people rights. That's what we got to figure out because this no, there was no advanced notice, even from the articles that was written, there was no advanced notice to the public or even to the Jackson, Mississippi citizens. So how can you have, the, I'm sure in that room, there were some Democrats who we say is looking out for black people. There were some black politicians there. there. And even if there's no black politician, there is a black mayor. And how does this get on the books and how is it moved um, is something that we got to think about when we think about solutions. Because we know these things are going to happen, but how do we prevent them from happening? And who's in that room right. to to say, no, this is going to be taken to the public because it's supposed to be we the people. If we're governed our own destiny, it is we the people. Say you, Dr. Crowley, what do you say about that solution process? Yeah, I, I, I believe that. And I'm going to say off the top, um, we have to keep a real strong eye on what they call moderates. We don't need moderates in our camp right now because uh, uh, moderation means something very slow. It reminds me of trickle-down economics. So we don't need moderation right now. Okay. So one of our solutions is um, I think – I would add liberals. We don't need liberals or moderates in our camp. 
um, because they were the ones who initiated the trickle-down economics. And we're still, we didn't get any trickle-down. A matter of fact. It ain't got here yet. Yeah, know? yeah. And, so. and, let me, and let me say this. By way of scenario, I used to be in a, a training group where it required black man, white man, a black woman, white woman, and somebody from the LBGT community. And it was the white guy in our group was named Peter. And Peter said that when he gets pulled over by the police, he know that he has broken the law. He said, but however, if Robert or Emmanuel gets pulled over, I don't know. So I've heard recently someone said there are no John McCain's, meaning that, you know, we need, we don't need, but white men need to tell the truth and they won't. And those white men who will say that was then, this is now, I have no part in that. I didn't do that. Well, we don't need that either because you need to speak truth. You know, you hear on the news speaking truth to power. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, There's not enough folks speaking truth to power. Okay. All right. So that's good. We we don't need liberals, moderate, and we need white people, white men specifically to speak the truth. That's solutions. But what we need more, I think we need policy right. changes. We need to yes, change definitely. policies definitely. and change mindsets and recognize, I believe that we need to recognize that racism is a disease. It's 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 is bad as cancer. And we need to find a way to eradicate it because there is a particular group, the black group is getting the brunt of it and no other group because no other group have been here the longest. No other group has faced the horrendous um, situation that the black people have. I mean, just to mention throwing the babies to the alligators. Okay, so I think um, um, so I just want people to realize this is real stuff we're talking about here. Yeah. So database is real. Yeah. So I, I, I just um, and, and so um, one more thing. Mm-hmm. One more. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's going to be a many that will come up as we continue the dialogue mm-hmm. in a place that um, I didn't think that I would ever arrive at, you know. Um, but I'm 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 thinking politically that black nationalism or becoming a black nationalist is a direction that I'm heading because black nationalism says that we want to control our communities. We want to control our lives. We want to educate our children. You I'm, just think I'm, about it. We go, uh, I, I'm going to have to ask you to wrap up. I'm going to um, give you um, 20 seconds to um, share with me your last thoughts because this is this is a very good um, commentary. We're probably going to have to come back and revisit, but I need you if you want someone to contact you or if you want to say your last words. You got you got twenty seconds, please. Well, again, just thank you, uh, Dr. Baptiste, for uh, having me, and I thank you for your vision 
and um, your personal constitution looking at the plight of uh, black America and to be one of those who are going to continue to be on the forefront of doing the kinds of things and making the kinds of changes that could be implemented throughout black America. Thank you. Um, so this conversation um, with with the esteemed Dr. Robert Crowley, um, I also um, hold you to the highest esteem. I, I, I love the way you approach and how you think about us as a people. I, I know we all have had this work on the forefront and, and because we love all people, we just want people to make sure that they love us and that we um, get what we are owed and that we are allowed to um, live our, our full destiny. And so we keep doing the work. We keep loving the people and we keep moving forward. And, and, and as we get more educated every day, because we, we're in the books every day. I, I, too, I think I got six or seven books that I read because I want to know what I need to know. And, and I right. always believe that it's enough space on the earth for all of us. All of us can be one big family. And, but I also have to realize there's some people that are less human than others, and those are the people who are um, severing off people's heads, cutting off body parts, dismembering people. I don't see where that is a human being that can do that. So we have to come together and and make sure we move forward to elevate humanity and leave everything else behind. So with that said, I'd like to thank Dr. Robert Crowley. Um, I am humbled with his knowledge and his ability to unpack the situation and we look forward to um, a, another conversation that helps us to understand where we need to go from here. So thank you, Dr. Crowley. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Goodbye. All right. Adrenaline running through my veins and my skeleton when you say my name and the high no, it never goes away I like jumping out of airplanes and swimming with the sharks That existential feeling when you're staring at the stars There's a hurricane in my head But the lightning in my heart makes it worth it Yeah, I still get nervous When you walk through the door and you look in my eyes Yeah, it feels, yeah, it feels like the very first time I Forever, I'm certain Cause I still get nervous When your lips hit my lips And the fireworks fly Send the sparks through the air Like the 4th of July I'll give over you forever I'm certain Cause I still get nervous Every time Every time we touch It's like paradise Fell down from above and the high Even too much ain't enough No, no 
Like flying in the fast lane, no headlights in the dark That existential feeling when you wonder what you are Got a wild wind in my head with the butterflies in my heart